Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. Uh, Happy New Year. Carl, in case we didn't put out a podcast last week. I can't remember if we did or, <laughs> or not. Or the week before, maybe? Or the week before. We don't know. I can't remember. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember when we put out a podcast. But if we didn't put one out last week, then uh, Happy New Year. It's, I listened to the intro now for the past few months, I think. we got to put Luke in there. Yeah. She's Amanda McKinney. Yeah. And I'm her husband, Luke McKinney. <laughs> I'm wearing Pikachu headphones. No, no. And I almost cut my thumb off in a saw. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get to that. But what he would need to do is I would say, he's John Brennan, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. And you say, she's Amanda McKinney. And I'd say, say something, Luke. And then he'd just be silent. <laughs> <laughs> Luke McKinney. That's my husband. He never says anything. That's my husband, the podcast ninja, and it's just dead silence. <laughs> the only reason you know he's here is because we told you. Every now and then we say his name. We make reference to him. We tell you what he's eating. <laughs> he's eating beef jerky, which is almost a silent food. If he was eating <laughs> chips or celery, peanut brittle, something that had some snap to it. Pika, pika. <laughs> All right, so uh, Luke is playing injured tonight. Barely. Just a scratch. <laughs> Just a scratch. It's a wee scratch. I'm going to take a picture of him in his Pikachu headphones so that we can post it on Facebook. So I haven't heard the whole story. Uh, <laughs> you are squeamish. Are you going to be able to tell me the story? Or is it? I, it's not a whole lot to tell. Dad t- is not good with these things. Just I'm, so I, you I'm not, but I know that it's not, there's no bone damage. There. Yeah. I went to the ocean and fought off a very small shark. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> you went to the garage and, and uh, fought off of so average I've working, sized. I've been working on this closet in mm. our bedroom for a minute. And, uh, How long? Uh, six, a minute. Six years. No, <laughs> six, six minutes from, <laughs> from God's perspective. From no. God's perspective, yeah. <laughs> It's a young closet. Oh, minutes. It's a it's a young closet. He's <laughs> a young closet creationist. And uh, what I had done was take off the different devices that it came with for safety because they get in the way of my advanced techniques. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and so I take was, off all the safety devices. That's what I did. They're yeah. laying table next to it and oh so i'm gosh. shoving the board in and then at some point my hand gets in the saw i don't actually know i'm already getting squeamish i, I don't I know what happened uh, i didn't even ask uh, like from my perspective i was on the bed watching youtube and he had been like measuring and asking me to hand him wrenches and stuff this was in our room and he went back out to the garage again like he had been like doing he always does back yeah. and forth and like he comes up the stairs again like he had been doing, and I'm Holding thinking his. he's bringing the board back to hang it up, and he goes, I need you to take me to the hospital. <laughs> I was like, what'd you do? And he goes, uh, the saw. And I just uh, was like, okay. 
And so, yeah, he did, he really uh, he really wasn't bleeding terribly much there because he had already grabbed my Norwex towel and was holding it on it. Well, so, that's full of silver, so that'll keep. The I didn't even infection. see the wound until we actually got to the hospital and they uh, were cleaning it out. So I've heard enough now. <laughs> well, if it doesn't bleed, then that means that's oh, sometimes no, it, a, a it, really serious. It, no, it, it did it bleed. bleed. But he wasn't allowing it to be seen because he was he'd covered He's it up in the towel. Pressure on it. Yeah, so he kept and then he wrapped some He's gauze a nurse. around it. Yeah, yeah. He immediately call. covered it with my other hand and it, ran and then I got the Norwex. Then I came upstairs to get you and then I rinsed it out, put some gauze and some. He briefly dressing. discussed going all the way down to Indy and bypassing his own hospital in Tipton. I said, "Can we just?" Like, can we just start at Tipton, and then if you need to go further, if they want to transfer you, we can have your dad take you the rest of the way. And, and did like, they do it all okay. at Tipton? Mm-hmm. They did it all at Tipton because they did an, an x-ray, and they saw that there wasn't really any, there's no bone involvement. Just and, tissue damage. And not even his fingernail. Like, it's the it, the front of his thumb, like his nicked, pad of his thumb. It nicked the fingernail, barely. Not too bad. Not, not really. Oh, I don't want to know anymore. Hey, what did your kids do while you were... They stayed home. Stay here with Cammie. Mm-hmm. We weren't gone that long. I mean, it was in and out. Got no, seen he right actually away. injured himself at like five forty-five, and I think we were home by seven thirty from the hospital. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they were pretty quick. They got him in for his X-ray immediately, and then they read it. Well, immediately. that's the advantage of being at Tipton Hospital, where there's nothing that ever happens there. It's out in the, the in only field. thing. The only thing that was sort of a disadvantage for him is knowing. Because he's a nurse and because he knows the protocol, he knew they were going to want to clean it out mm-hmm. and then wrap it up and then send him on his way. They also gave him a prescription for some pretty decent pain drugs, but it I takes 45 so. minutes for them to kick in. And so he was like, I don't really want to sit in this room for 45 minutes waiting for it to To start hurting? Work. No, to work because they were going to clean out the thumb. And he's like, let's just get it over with. And so... Even though he hadn't used any, he hadn't had any painkillers yet. He just they did the saline. He just powered through it, and he was just probably a little woozy standing there on his feet. It was I it bet. was a tremendous amount of pain. Yeah, rinsing it out. I'll bet. But once that happened, like once I sat back down, like having been in that much pain, like the normal amount that I was at was Everything. like nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, I had reached a new height. You, <laughs> <laughs> you overloaded your yeah. pain sensors, and yeah. then he's experienced the magic of a contraction. Like that's that's what it feels like in between yeah. when you get like those endorphins running. So now I'm just I'm I'm gardening now. I'm regrowing meat on my. Why <laughs> don't we tell Carl to put the safety things back on your saw, your yeah. drill press, your all of your tools. This is your I reminder. bought I bought a safety push block that goes it's got this nice cavity that goes over the blade. You so know what you buy? You should buy one of those saws that as soon as that as meat touches the blade. Are like it's called a saw stop five I learned. grand and every time you activate it it's, it's another, 700 bucks. It's another yeah. yeah. This episode is not sponsored by Saw Stop, although I do so, recommend them for would, those who can afford it. We would them. listen to a uh, pitch if Saw if Saw Stop wants to Oh, if they oh. want to sponsor us. Oh yeah. Then they can. They want to sponsor us. Luke would be willing to stick his other thumb in the blade. <laughs> I wonder if your thumb is in the picture I took of your Pikachu headphones. Let me see. Probably. That should probably. Go. It's pretty obvious. Oh, it's not the very obvious. The thumb is the most imposing thing about him Here, right now. Stick, yeah. stick your thumb up in the air. 
His thumb comes into the room Wait, first. Higher because it's in, it's in front of your white t-shirt. <laughs> high, higher. <laughs> Hold it up really high. <laughs> he's trying. He's trying to pose like it's like it's a candid shot. <laughs> he's gesturing with his hand with uh, his thumb. Oh my god! So, so yeah, I see the hand surgeon tomorrow. Although there's nothing okay. they can do. Not really. If like you cut I didn't the tip of your thumb. There's I no think. chunk that I have in a baggie for them to reattach or anything. This is it's, going to impact your hand modeling career, though. It. I don't know. Scars <laughs> are cool. Is there? Is there a market for shoot so, up hands? While we were sitting, monstrously deformed thumbs. <laughs> like moments after we arrived at the hospital, as I'm filling in my sisters, like I do, I'm texting the sisters because I'm like, oh, and the brothers were, yeah, he's there was texting no, the brothers. there was no comfort from the brothers. They were making fun of me. Well, I was sparing the details. Well, once they found out that you were probably not going to lose your thumb. I mean, I knew both Megan, which is Luke's sister, and Tabby, my sister, would not handle any details. So I was just like, well, I'm at the ER with my husband. It involves a saw. Like, that's all I said. They're like, oh, does he still have his hand? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's actually probably the best You wouldn't case tell scenario. me anything either. I was asking for details. Well, we have wouldn't... a picture. Yeah, I don't want to see yeah, that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I knew you didn't. Um, but I, I you told draw me Tabby. Something. Have Silas draw me a picture. That would Silas be... hasn't seen it oh, either. Okay. He's only seen the big old wrapped up. I could thumb. take a six-year-old crayon rendering of that. Injury. Yeah, he saw me changing the dressing the other day, and he was very curious. About oh, that. so he has—he's seen more than he I hadn't he seen did. it as most gruesome. But, but I was gonna say, yeah. I told Tabby, I was like, you know, <laughs> his his thumb may look a little funny in the future, depending on like how the hand surgeon wants to handle this. And she goes, "My old neighbor Jim had a really weird." Thin looking thumb from a saw. <laughs> like that was her contribution. She goes, gross. Right. She's like, gross. <laughs> My old neighbor Jim had a weird looking thumb for that reason. Yeah, but Jim was a good, she liked him. She, she liked, liked Jim. him. So his, his uh, monstrous thumb wasn't. No, no, not monstrous. Off putting. Weird. weird and thin. <laughs> it was actually a, weird a tiny and thin thumb. thumb. <laughs> thin thumb Jim. Uh, okay. Well, you spent enough time talking about Luke's. Thumb, I yes, think. more than enough. He's I need to get my money's worth out of it. He's done more talking on this episode than he has in like the whole last six or the seven. The <laughs> would like to start doing video for this podcast too, Carl. If you got any thoughts about no, that, let no, us know. You're setting the expectation too high. I want Cammy. Peaches would like to have Cammy make video. Just like clips. Like we're talking tiny little snapshots. Basically just like just pictures that are kind of stacked together just for a few seconds. That's no one, it. No one wants to see that. I think they might be interested in know, in being able to picture this. We've got another puzzle on the table. Carl doesn't want to see that. We've got beef jerky on the table. They're not seeing that. They might be interested to know my calendar still says November behind me. It does. It hasn't so. moved. They might be interested to see. You can't really see much in this room except for... Luke's thumb right now. And his Pikachu that. headphones. And his Pikachu headphones, which we may put up. <laughs> Can you see yourself in I that mirror? just got a glimpse in the mirror. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's nice, isn't yeah. it? The, yeah, ears, the ears make it. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. So, uh, so much to do. Time since for the boring the part. First year. Yeah. Well, we, I, I talked about resolutions yesterday with the kids at, at Lighthouse. Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, and... The, uh, the the point that I wanted to make to them, two points, was, first of all, you don't have to uh, wait until New Year's 
to decide that you're going to start doing things right or you're going to stop doing things wrong. You can make that decision anytime. Um, and then it occurred to me that the, the thing about New Year's resolutions is that it's almost a joke. Did you see me just put those two pieces? I don't think they go together. I don't think they go, I don't think they go together, but they I just snapped right into place. Your subconscious is puzzling. Yeah, I just, I, I'm playing around with these puzzle pieces while I'm talking, and these two just fit together. Yeah, that's not a match, but... I don't think it is, but they do fit. <laughs> so I thought, you know, we've been making jokes for for decades about New Year's resolutions. Oh, I'm not... You know, we, we make these New Year's, New Year's resolutions, but then we don't keep them. You know, I, I was, I was going to stop drinking in 2024 and then January 1st or January 2nd, you know, well, I'll try again next year to be a teetotaler or whatever. Yeah. And it's almost like a, it's just a running joke that we are not going to keep our New Year's resolutions. And so I explained to the kids that it's not good to get into the habit of making promises or saying that you're going to do things knowing full well that you're not really going to put any effort into doing it. And it struck me, <coughs> I'm getting sick, that the uh, that wedding vows and New Year's resolutions, we take with the same, <laughs> we have the same solemn opinion in our culture now huh. about that. You know, you have a, we're going to try, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to lose weight. I'm going to try to get to the gym. I'm going to try to show up on time to stuff. But if I don't, you know, no big deal. I, it was a good, it was a good goal. I just fell short. We'll try again next year. Right. But that attitude sort of permeates a person when you get, when you get used to not doing what you say you're going to do and letting yourself off the hook. And then you start joking about it. Well, you know, I make this, I never keep those problems. That, that sets you on a trajectory to not be a person of your word. And it's a, it's a way to deal uh, and to treat a lack of integrity or a disingenuousness with a sort of a, eh, you know, not a big deal. Yep. There's more important things to worry about than keeping our resolutions. I'd really like to know what is one thing that the culture actually thinks is worth worrying about. Well, there isn't anything. That was my, that was my point to the kids. My, I, I said, you guys, you have friends, don't you, that that you can't trust. I said, you have family members, don't you? And some of them were kind of nodding. Everybody was pretty quiet because nobody, I think they were, they weren't didn't sure want to be called I, on. Yeah. That I wasn't going to be specific, yeah. but I said, some of you live in households where you can't trust the people in your family because they're, they don't keep their word. I mean, they say that things are going to be a certain way. They say they're going to do a certain thing and then they don't. And they, and they all sort of nodded. And I said, yeah, you shouldn't be like that. You should be, if you take a New Year's, if you make a New Year's resolution, you should think of it as a very serious thing. And then I read the passage from Deuteronomy where it says it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. Mm-hmm. And then I read from Matthew where Jesus says, you know what? Don't even swear at all. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, don't swear by the temple. Don't swear by the gold in the temple. Don't swear by your head. But just say yes or no, and then do that. What's the matter? There's a child making an entrance into the kitchen or standing at the top of the stairs. (laughs) I can't. And very jolly about it. Even though I Oh, it's got to be silence. Pikachu, I I choose you. (laughs) (laughs) Go! (laughs) Oh, slay me. 
<laughs> he smiled. He smiled when he went. Um, yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of similar. Sort of. There's some ties in with something I saw recently. It was like a clip from a TV series, and I'm not even sure which one. But of course, was it Friends? No, no. It was no. like a drama, like a hospital drama of some kind. Um, but th- the patient in the clip was like a 13 year old girl, and the doctors discovered that she had been pregnant. She it turned it, it became a tumor, and so now she's going to need surgery. But like they were discussing in the hall how to basically break the news to the girl, the 13 year old, and her mother, and. So they explain the situation. They go back to bedside and explain the situation. And they're like, that you know, basically this, this tumor only happens when a fertilized egg fails to implant properly and then grows kind of, you know, out of control. Right. And everybody's like totally. Dun, dun, dun. No, 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 no. The opposite. Dun, dun, dun. No, everybody's like, okay, so what now? And the doctor says to the mom, you don't seem surprised to learn that you're Daughter middle was schooler at 13 is sexually active and she goes i'm not just learning it we're very open in our household kids are going to sneak around if you don't just talk to them honestly and you know so we just decide to put her on birth control pills and trust her and you know obviously we tell her what we would prefer but but the reason i bring this up is because in the comment section under this clip there's people real people who are basically saying that's a good mom right there like we have the we take the same position and i'm like this fictional girl is 13 years old right how how young would she have to be before people would snap out of it and realize actually this is something that you should worry about this is something that you should take responsibility for as a parent and not just go ah well you know kids are gonna do whatever kids are gonna do kids will hit each other even when you tell them not to that that doesn't mean that you just like well, you know, kids are going to hit each other, so we just got them uh, swords. Helmets. And, yeah. We put them in helmets, and then we just let them wail on each other. We just gave other. them nunchucks and two-by-fours yeah. and baseball bats. We and... prefer they don't, but instead we just built we a... We told them our preference. <laughs> we built a cage in the backyard, though. And each of could... you gets a bat. Now, we would prefer that you not hit each other with it, right. but we know you're going to, so... Right, and we'll pay for the hospital bill when you get a tumor. Yeah, just do it in, just do it in our yard where we can keep an eye on you and make sure that you're bludgeoning each other's safe. Right. But it occurred to me that what those parents don't realize they're doing is they're teaching their children. They don't really mean what they say, which Mm -hmm. is kind of it's to your point. They're teaching their kids. Well, we say we really would prefer that you not be sexually active, but we also firmly believe you're going to go ahead and do it anyways. So at 13, there's literally nothing that we can do except just allow you to be immoral. Defer to your childish decisions. Right. Right. To your uninformed, naive Childish decisions. And right. it's like, that's just a thing. I saw another meme that was uh, from this woman who was a trans person, and it was a clip. Now, I'm, I'm 90% sure that everything I read from these people is probably a lie anyway. So, <laughs> so, if, so it's probably not true. But if it was true, it was a picture of a little line from her diary, supposedly. It was handwritten by like a seven-year-old girl or an eight-year-old girl or something like that. Um, and it says, I don't think I'm a boy or a girl. I think I'm, I just am me or something like that. Yeah. And then the comment was, this was me at seven years old, a page from my diary. And I hadn't been indoctrinated with this. Maybe children just know things about themselves. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, that's what you would, 
that's what you would conclude if you had zero adult uh, guidance right. when you were growing up. I if, think, didn't I talk about the pe- the people who were interviewing that kid and he said he was in love, I know I told Luke, he said he was in love with a boy in his class and he, no, went, he, talking he was going to marry him and the adults were like, Oh wow, you know that's that sounds really serious. And then he was like, you know, I've I eventually I want to be a a person who designs cars. So he moved to a different topic. And they were like, oh, what kind of car do you want to design? He's like, I'm going to call it the and I can't remember the letters, but it's an acronym. And they said, what does that stand for? And he said it was basically his initials and the boy in his class's initials together, smashed together. And they were like, oh, and yeah, so it's adorable. The comments were like, he's such a romantic, so cute, you know, six or seven years old, and he's already so right. so romantic. And I just thought to myself, these people are stupid because when a kid says he wants to marry his mother, we tell him. No, well, that's that's sweet, and we know what you mean, but we you can't to. do that. We like, used to. I was just reading the uh, Silas quote book a couple right. of days ago. <laughs> Silas? Uh, you remember that story? Or he was like, Pens. Uh, I want to be, how was it? Oh, he, he wanted to, uh, he, he was upset because um, Colin was, he's the youngest, and so he was at the bottom of the pecking order, and he was somewhat distraught about that and so Silas I don't remember exactly how it went but Silas was like yelling at Colin you have to do this or that and you stepped in and said you uh you can't you're not the boss of Colin right you know that daddy and and he said well I uh how did he put it I'm he go when I it, he'd worked <laughs> it out he'd worked it out to where he was gonna he was gonna somehow uh replace you and he was going to be the boss. Well, when I get big, then I will be able to boss Colin. He goes, no. Right. And you said, no, Colin already has a daddy. You'll have, and then Silas broke down and goes, well, who can I boss? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. When I get big, then I can boss Colin. Then I can boss Colin. I was like, Colin. no, Colin already has a, a daddy. Right. He's like, who can I boss? <laughs> yeah, which is a great question. And we talk about how you have to be the boss of yourself first. You have to boss yourself first before you can boss anyone else. That is the secret to bossdom. I told these kids that you have to do hard things. And doing hard things is is keeping your vows, especially if it's a vow that you made flippantly with the idea that you wouldn't have to keep it if you didn't want to. Those then it then it's doubly hard to do. Right. Because you you made it sort of thinking in the back of your mind, that's not a big deal if I keep this. Yep. But then when you get into that habit, then you just start doing it automatically. You don't even think about it anymore. Oh, gosh. I just, that reminds me of another very small moment of thought that I had today watching a video. And it was this teacher who was asking for opinions from the internet because she was like, I had sort of a conflict today in my classroom. And I don't know if I handled it quite right, but, you know, this is what I did. She's like, we have a no a no drinks policy except water, only water in the classroom. And I had a kid today who pulls a Sprite out of his backpack. And right. I was like, uh, no Sprite in the classroom. And he goes, oh, sorry. And he walks out of the room ostensibly to put it in his locker and comes back like three seconds later. And she's like, did you put that in your locker? And he goes, no, I just chugged it in the hallway. <laughs> he chugged. So he walked out of the classroom. Out of the classroom. Downed it. Downed it. Shotgun to the spot. Shotgun the sprite, And then walked back in. And she was like, and I just didn't. She's like, I didn't bother with any sort of consequence for that. I just moved on. 
He's like, now I have throat burn. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of funny. I would personally. I don't think I'd be able to chug a bottle of Sprite like that. I don't think I could either. But personally, I would have told the kid, look, you deserve the throat burn. And next time you pull that stunt, you will still have the consequence. Like, it doesn't mean drink it faster. It means don't drink it at all. Right. It doesn't mean step outside the confines of this classroom. Well, they aren't supposed to have it in the hallway either. But the, the point is, she was asking the internet, you know, what. What do you think? And I don't. I think she could have handled it worse. I also think she could have handled it better. But the per, there was a person in the comments who was like, "Well, it's not like that rule doesn't have a purpose. Like, you know, sugary drinks can draw ants, and you know, it's it's not fair to enforce it for one kid and not others, you know, or whatever." She's like, "So I would I would enforce that rule, but it's the rules that have no purpose that you can bend." Right. The rules that have no <laughs> purpose. Just, and who decides said. the purposeless rules? Well, that lady, of course. Right. And the kid that wants to break them. <laughs> that lady who still reasons like a middle schooler. Right. Yeah. And I thought to myself. If I deem that this is a good rule, I will follow I will follow. And but I, if I deem that this is a dumb rule, then I will break it because that would be the righteous thing to do. Right. And I, I thought to myself, yeah, those are precisely the people who, as children, should have been told, no, it's the rules you hate the most that you have to follow. Right. Like, it's the ones that you disagree with that really challenge you. Are you a rule follower or are you just cooperating with the things that you already agree with? Right. And then arguing on everything else. And it's like a, a rebel is somebody who, by definition, thinks they get to decide which rules to follow and which, which rules they don't. When I was in school, gum chewing in the classes and was not allowed. You weren't allowed to chew gum. Uh-huh. And... And that was that was always the debate at the lunchroom table about how stupid that rule was because, you know, why why do we have that rule? And then there was the people who would go, well, because some people, some teachers would explain it because some of you stick the gum under the desks and some of you throw it on the floor and some of you and that ruins it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it, I was a kid at the time, so I had it hadn't occurred to me that no. If the rule is you don't chew gum, it doesn't really, you don't even have to give us a reason for that. Right. You just say, there's no gum chewing in the school. Right. And then it's not up to us to decide whether or not that is a correct rule. It's up to us to just follow it. I, I've literally been, I've been known to tell my kids when they ask why, now and then, I'll say, because you hate it. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally the reason is right. because you don't like this right now. Well, but then the other... The other aspect of it, it's not, the, it's not another aspect of it, another facet of this is you do have tyrants. You know, you yeah. do have ungodly authorities who set up rules that are, uh, that do not glorify the Lord. Sure. And so you also have to, at some point, teach your kids how to navigate that. Right. Well, but the definition of a tyrant is a person who holds others to a rule that they do not hold themselves to. So you will always be, you will be that tyrant if you do not have self-mastery. If you haven't learned how to follow rules of all stripes, whether you agree with them or not, then by definition, you are now the tyrant in every situation because tyrants think they're above the law. Tyrants think that they can tell others what to do and not be told what to do. That's what it means. So um, good rule for fighting tyrants or good rule for making sure that you, you know, step one in being able to withstand or stand up to tyrants is don't be one. There will be fewer tyrants in the world. If you stop being a, a hopeless, you know, self-centered rebel of, and who can't follow any rules. So, well, the, the, we talked briefly about promising too, and how 
I remember when I was a kid, I would say a thing, and one of the other kids in the neighborhood would go, "Really? Do you promise? Do you promise?" <laughs> On the and Bible. Then, and then I, yeah, and then I would say, "Yeah, I promise." And they go, "Do you double promise?" And it was, and so we had all of these swear all these layers of truthfulness that you had to put on top of your statement. And even then, I told the kids, even then, I still wasn't telling the truth. You know, I would mm-hmm. I would promise and double promise and triple promise and cross my heart and hope to die and stick a needle in my eye. And even after all of that, sometimes I was still not telling the truth. <laughs> you little rascal. Yeah. And so, because I'm... Because I am a master of semantics. And so the, the specific way that I was asked a question ah. would have a bearing on mm-hmm. whether or not I was, quote, lying mm-hmm. or whether I was telling the truth. Sure. And I confessed this to the kids. I said, and what happened was, as I got a little older and a little more thoughtful, I realized, oh, the reason that they're asking me if I double promise and cross my heart and hope to die is because they don't trust me. You know, they don't they don't believe me when I say things. And that made me feel bad. It's like, my gosh, my even my own friends now, when I say them when I say something to them, they just don't believe me. And even after I double promise and triple promise or quadruple promise, they still don't believe me. Why? Because I'm not telling the truth. Because they shouldn't. <laughs> they shouldn't believe me. So you said the word semantics. I did. Is that is that where we can talk about the fact that people don't know? what words mean and how to read. We can talk about the fact that everything is semantics. Can we talk about the fact that, or should we talk about the fact that if you listen to audiobooks, you're probably going to hell? <laughs> Since that's the, that's the breaking that's my news. Position. That's the news on Facebook that just lit everybody's hair on fire. My position, Carl, if you, uh, if you have not been privy to the conversations online, is that uh, I hate audiobooks, <laughs> and people that listen to audiobooks are probably either demon possessed <laughs> or uh, or demons themselves. Right. And there's no good that comes from them. You can't learn anything from them. Nope. Um, they're 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 just diabolical and evil. Right. That's audiobooks. Right. And. Anybody who tries to say otherwise, uh, I'm just argumentative and divisive, and I won't. I won't hear what they have to say. Right. The only valid. I'm not way, open to talking about it. The only valid way to learn anything is if your eyes are on the written word, and so people who are blind are just out of luck, and people who have dyslexia. People, people that are listening to the Bible, on, yeah. <laughs> on, they're not actually in God's word. Well, while they're, they're brushing their teeth or doing the dishes right. like I did this morning. Right, that doesn't count. Doesn't count. Doesn't count as getting God's word. Yeah. Um, so so that's, the, that's the position that I have been assigned because I made the statement, I had the audacity to make the statement that reading is not the same as listening to somebody read. Right. That was it. Right. Um, and my goodness, I was called names. I was told by a couple of teachers that I just don't know what I'm talking about. And I am an educator, and I taught my kids how to read with just audiobooks. <laughs> that was it. They just right. listened to audiobooks and, and miraculously and learned how to read. Yeah, well, so. if, if you had... If you had given more of the context of where this came from, because you listened, you have a woke librarian who was on this soapbox about how, you know, 
audiobooks are real books and it really is reading. It really is reading. And this is a hill that I will die on. And this is not the, that's what she said. This yeah, is a hill. hill. Her hill. This is a hill I will die on um, that reading and listening to audiobooks are the same thing. They're both reading. They're both legitimate reading. And right. of course, a guy like me who cares about words right. could not More let than that go. the average librarian these days. More than that librarian. As it least. were. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my point as soon as you showed me that statement specifically when the woman when you explained to another woman like look reading you know the pay reading the words is different from listening which is why you know some people are better at one than the other right and she was like you're talking about decoding and you were like is there a reason you don't want to call that Decoding, decoding the symbols that we <laughs> use for communication which right. she was just regurgitating something that somebody else had said Right. And, Which, and well, then I asked her, yeah, why do you not want to call that reading? Right. When I saw that exchange, I thought to myself, these people are hilarious because they haven't thought about the fact that if, if just listening to a book counts as reading, then yeah, children as young as like newborns are reading right. because they will listen to you while you read. They don't understand any of it, but they, they listen. Right. And if you're reading a book out loud and counting that as reading, then yeah, you could just eliminate that whole class. That, yeah, that they don't course. even need to learn to read. Just listen to audiobooks. Just listen to them your whole life. Yeah. But obviously they're different processes. And actually it's been demonstrated that if you don't know how to decode, you cannot listen as well as people who decode very well. Right. So I that was right. my premise. I was like, you should probably show people that this is a woke thing. Like it's a it's a feminist slash woke activist slash progressive hill that this person is trying to die on because of the definition thing they like it's to deconstruction right they like to deconstruct definitions they don't like when other people try to tell them true things they make that makes them mad they want to listen to audiobooks and get have credit for own, being voracious readers right they want to have their own reality right where they are reading all the time even when you know it's going in one ear and out the other and they're not they're they can't punctuate they can't spell they don't know where commas are supposed to go they can't they can't do any of that stuff they, don't, they can't picture the paragraph breaks in their mind because they don't ever look at it on the page. That makes a difference. And it's genuinely contributing to illiteracy. But that was the, the irony of the whole thing was you wrote this long Facebook post using words, using written words. That people couldn't read. And people didn't understand what you were saying. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, man, I just want to beat my head against a wall because this, I, I brought out statistics they about one in out four. out the point, yeah. One in four high school graduates in 2024 is functionally illiterate. More than half of adults in the United States do not read above a sixth grade reading level. Right. That's tragic. But what's funny, kind of, and tragic, is when I say that to people, they don't know what it means. They can't picture that, right. that high of a number. They don't know how, to, how does it functionally apply in real life. And we had some, some people... We had some Christians, we had some ministers, we had people who we had people who are genuinely like allies of mine. They're not they're not out to get me, but they right. just didn't understand what they I was talking didn't about. Didn't get it. And like even when I even when I tried to explain it, like, no, no, it's fine that you listen to your audiobooks on the way to work. I'm sure you have gleaned a lot of information from them. Right. But that's it's not the same process as reading, and illiteracy is a serious problem. And this person was like, 
How serious? There's occasionally a kid who falls through the cracks, but how yeah, serious? Where, could where it do be? you live that this is a problem? And he he talked about like where do you live that you <laughs> haven't noticed this? Well, he talked about being a veteran, Jupiter. And in his mind, he's seen the places <laughs> where there's real illiteracy. He's been to slums and he's been to third world countries. And it's like, dude, I'm telling you, we live in a third world country as measured by um, education. Well, like, just look at the thread that we're on. Like he didn't, he didn't know. <laughs> look at the thread. I said, I said, reading is not the same thing as listening. And people are like, "How dare you put people down for listening to audiobooks? There's nothing wrong with that." I mean, it was it was unbelievable how badly they missed the point. Right, right. And so when I gave those stats, I said, you know, one in five high school graduates isn't going to be able to read at a functional level, and. Um, Kids are less and because there's a speaker button on everything. Like they can have directions read to them. I said I was at the library today. My kids grabbed three different books that will read themselves, yeah. <laughs> read out loud. And I said, yeah. it seriously is a problem. It's getting worse every year. And his response, and I don't remember exactly, but it was long. And it was like, oh, I don't agree with the education system either. Yeah, but it's right. not, it's what we've got. Right. Also, <laughs> I've been to war. And also- he immediately <laughs> argued with the point that he had just made previously. I'm no fan of the education system, that's for sure. Well, but can said, you tell me where this is happening, that it, what, illiteracy is a big problem? He said, that's what I've got. It, or it's what we've got. <clears throat> we've got nothing else to fall back on. And then went on another trail too. And they all sort of- you could see kind of where they strung together, where his thoughts jumped from one to another, but none but of it- But they had nothing to do with my point. Right. None of it was relevant. And you can't tell a person like that, um, sir, you're rambling. It's not relevant. This, none of this stuff is really on topic because he's like, well, you said illiteracy and I said education system and right. you said high school graduates and I said I don't like the system. And it's like, uh, we, have, we have so much- <laughs> We have so much work to do, but that is functional illiteracy. And yep. people get so offended. By, it's easy when you talk in, you know, generic numbers. But when you start pointing it out, this is what it looks like. They get mad and they say, well, what's the big deal? Is right. this really worth worrying about? So why are you so worried about the semantics of the word listening versus reading? Right. Why Why is this a hill that you're going to die on? I'm asking. If it's just I'm asking semantics. you. To clarify oh, that, me? for yeah, for the people who are like, oh, you just like to upset people and argue. Uh, okay. Well, the reason that I, I've said before, I I don't like to upset people and argue, but I'm not afraid to upset people and argue, and there's a difference, um, semantically speaking. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because words mean things, and particularly. I was talking to Christians, explicitly I was talking to Christians in that post, and I said, we have got to be able to, uh, we've got to be able to use words and use them correctly. And for example, reading and listening to an audiobook are not the same process. They're not right. the same activity, is what I said. And I had a preacher, a guy who's a pretty sharp guy, generally speaking, who said, I'm going to disagree with you on this one because it lights up exactly the same areas of the brain. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's impossible because, <laughs> because your ears and your eyes don't light up the same part. They don't. Mm -hmm. I'm, not even, I'm not even a brain guy, and I know that. That's just that's, that's absurd. 
to say that it's going to light up the same things. What he was trying to say is that you can learn things, that you can get information by listening and by seeing, which I agree with, but that's also not what I said. Mm-hmm. I didn't say audiobooks are not good for getting information, only, only reading words on a page. I didn't say that. And so the reason that it matters is because if Christians can't even agree, if, if, if they're going to... F- if my Christian brothers and sisters are going to fight with me about something as plainly obvious and simple as reading things is not the same thing as listening to things, if they're going to fight with me about that, then what in the world, how in the world are we going to find agreement when it comes to deeper theological concepts? When I and uh, for example, unity, which is the thing that we're going to have to talk about in right. another podcast. <laughs> well, I was mm-hmm. going to bring it up. Were you? Well, you can bring it up, well, but, be- but not it's because deeper. of unity. I don't want to talk about unity. I want to talk about the fact that you tried to talk about unity on Facebook today, and people don't know how to use words. Right. So we well, can't even begin. But to I open knew. That. I knew when I made that post about unity. It's like for crying out loud, they they don't even understand reading and listening. So when I start talking about unity, I know they're going to freak out and. It wasn't as bad because I think people just kind of skipped over it. Right. I thought when you brought up reading, you were going to go into that Amazon book review that I shared. What was that? About the uh, the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. Oh, that was a while ago. But mm-hmm. yeah. Do you have that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, we could talk forever on that. Too. Yeah. That's all right. We could do a few minutes. Since we haven't done any podcasts for four weeks or five. Well, let's make know. this one a three-hour one. <clears throat> this will be like a Knox-level podcast. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I just stumbled across this book, and then as I was reading the reviews, uh, Carrie Ann Kay gave it four stars and uh, said, thought-provoking. Uh, I admit I like to read books in this genre, this book helped me to understand, even if I don't agree with the conservative emphasis on, quote, family and traditional family. <laughs> I like what he has to say about character and was very interested when he segued into real life anecdotes from his own family. I think this book is a little unfortunate uh, in that if you don't fit a model for a traditional family, you may feel as if you are not worthy. I think a judgment about divorce could have been withheld and the book would not have suffered. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The judgment about divorce could have been, could have been left out of the book on family values, uh-huh. and it would have still yes. been. <laughs> it would have still been great. She Excellent. goes. She goes on. I have not studied this book completely. I read the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got three quarters of the book to go. There it is. And there it is. and the moralizing about family values began to interfere with the exploration about habits and character. I separate, quote, family values from, quote, habits and character. <laughs> because in many cases... Because de- you're only a quarter of a way through the book that you should be reading. Because in many cases, the decision to end a marriage is a very positive one for some people. Yeah. Sometimes it is the right thing to do. I would not pass this book on to a divorced friend. I think it would make them feel bad. <laughs> For a traditional family, this book has plenty of great insights that I am sure are well documented by other reviewers. Right. So there's... Oh, Amazon. She tried to read a book about the seven habits of family values. This, of an effective family. Of, and yeah. be offended by the moralizing about values. Right, and then she's yeah. like, I usually separate habits from family values. 
And so I just think I he could have left them. that out of the book. I think he could have left out all the crap about values and ethics. <laughs> and how to have them. And character. With good habits. Yeah, it just, had, yes. just stuck with habit. Oh, my so, god! Apart yes. from character. My comment was, I wouldn't want to give the seven habits of sober people to my alcoholic friends because it looks down on binge <laughs> drinking. <laughs> we don't need to cast... We don't need to make... Drunk people I, feel bad. All that, for being all that drunk. Drudge, judgment about drunkenness could have been left out, and the right. book would not have suffered. All of the moralizing about alcohol use could have been left out of this book. Yeah, it just it reminded me of like the people who would show up to watch Jesus do miracles or feed them or whatever, but then he'd start droning on about how he was, you know, the Christ. The Christ. <laughs> like I could have could have done without all that. Kingdom of God. Blah blah blah. <laughs> moralizing just about. Just Kevin. break some more bread Give and fish, fish. <laughs> preacher boy. <laughs> yeah. Shut your yap about the See, kingdom. I would love to be able to unpack why those reviews are so stupid. But honestly, I think so many. Do we need to? So many of my <laughs> brothers and sisters just don't know how. They don't even know what's wrong with that. Like they would read that themselves on Amazon and be like, oh, she didn't like the book. Oh, this person did like the book. Hmm. You know, should I get it or not? But they well, don't there's know a lot how of to Christians who would go, it. Well, you know, we're all entitled to our opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Maybe and, he could have been less divisive, you know. Yes. Yes. In yeah. the, well, well, if somebody yeah. asked me that question, can't you talk about anything that's not divisive? Can't you come up with some can't you change to a subject that's not divisive? Question mark. And I'm like, <laughs> Not an important subject, no. Somebody else told you to check your blood sugar. (laughs) Yeah, I was literally told. (laughs) I was literally told that I might have diabetes because of my my divisive, hateful attitude. You should check your blood sugar. When you start having thinky Uh, thoughts, John, you should check your blood pressure. Somebody send John a Snickers. Yeah, I'm sure that I could come up with a topic that's not divisive, and no one would be interested in reading about it or having it because... Nothing interesting mm-hmm. is not divisive. Well, you, we're over our time, but you said today, pagans, quote, we hate everything about you. Church, quote, that's okay. Let's strive for unity. <laughs> so pagans hate us and church the is still trying to have unity. The pagans were talking to the church, right? So we hate everything that, about which you. Was, it's a great point. It's like, why are we trying to have unity with people outside the church? Bible doesn't talk about that. It doesn't say we should have unity with darkness. It actually says we can't. You, there is no, there's nothing in common between light and darkness. Are you going to answer the question as to why the, why we're striving for unity from the church's point of view? Well, no. I was just going to bring up the fact that the comments were not on topic. Like we couldn't even begin to have that conversation. What about were they unity. talking about? They were trying. What they were trying to say is different from what they said. So one one person said. We should strive for unity without compromising holiness. Right. And what was what was he saying? Well, I had to figure I had to read further into that conversation with another guy before I could figure it out. Because then the next guy says, Well, how many times should we strive for unity until we say the heck with it? Because the Bible says, turn the other cheek, but it doesn't say how many times. Right. And then somebody else quoted, 70 times 7 <laughs> is how many times. And I'm like, I was just watching. I was just watching it <laughs> right. fall off the rails, yep. into the ditch, and catch fire. Well, but, but they're quoting scripture. And so yep. they think they're speaking truth. Because right. it's like, well, here I am, I'm quoting scripture. And it's like... There was one dude that quoted scripture, and, the, and basically it was like two contradictory... Well, there's this one. There's no fellowship between light and darkness. There is no unity. That being said, Paul put it best. 
become all things to all people so that <laughs> right. some might be saved. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is not helpful because both of those things are scriptural concepts. They're both biblical concepts. But when you right. put them together like that, somebody who doesn't understand how right. to think right. is not going to have any idea what to do with that. Right. Well, and and what I was saying, trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, again, because these are Christian brothers who are quoting scripture and they want to say true things. Right. The only problem is they're clunky. They're saying this stuff they're trying to say in a clunky manner, and so they're not coming across with as much clarity as they should. Well, which is getting back to the topic that we were on before. They don't know what unity is. They don't know well, what they... Well, they, they I know... I think they do, though. They know what it is, but they don't know... The, the scripture about what does light have in common with darkness is the one that I was referencing. Right. That was what I was trying to get at. But when but then he comes along and says, be all things to all people. It's like, okay, now you're not, those, those two things don't fit together right. the way you're trying to but fit them together. But if you were to say light doesn't have anything in common with darkness, he would agree. And furthermore, right. as I said earlier today to you, he would think he was saying that already. Like he wouldn't even recognize that he you were trying to correct him or give him a better way to say it right. because he thinks he's already saying it. And so well, I think he didn't he gets, go far enough. He said when he says I will become all things to all people, that that concept ends with so that I might men win some. And so the reason that Paul was becoming all things to all people was so he could convert them. And then is when the unity takes place. Right. He doesn't become all things to all people so that all people are united in whatever walk they are, right. whatever God well, they're worshiping, again, whatever sort of pagan rituals are going on. Again, my goal is not to teach this concept to any of these men in this thread because they get that. I think they really do understand that pagans are not Christians and that our goal is to convert pagans to Christians. Mm -hmm. And I think they know that we do not have unity with pagans until they become Christians. I think they know that, but they it, it gets conflated because they because that's when when I suggest that you can't be united with darkness, that's when that's when the people get their hackles up and say, "Well, we're supposed we're supposed to love these people. We're supposed to reach out to these people. Are you Correct. saying we're not supposed to evangelize people? Because no. these are the same people who said, "What the heck's wrong with that? Why are you telling people that they shouldn't listen to audiobooks?" And it's like, "Yeah, you're not understanding at all what I'm saying." No, the what I what the conversation needs to be about from the the start. The starting point needs to be words <laughs> matter and the way you're using those words is not correct. I know you mean well, and I do think theologically you're straight on this. I do think that they have a conservative slash traditional orthodox view of the gospel. I think they know that it's our job to preach the gospel. Not everybody's going to receive it. Some's going to fall on the thorny ground. I think they know all of that. Right. But it, but they say things like, we should strive for unity. And what they mean is, we should strive to offer people the chance to join us in our Christianity and then become united Right, but them. it's a little bit like saying... We're reading. We should read when you mean we should listen to audiobooks. <laughs> right. It's a bit like that, except I would say even more important, which is to, to help you answer that question that I asked right. earlier. But it's the same concept. It's why it's, it's important. When you, when you use a word that isn't that doesn't mean what you think it means, and then... Right. And then to just say, well, you know what? It doesn't. It's all just semantics. Why are you? Why are you nitpicking about this? You understand what I'm talking about, right? I understand what you're talking about because I'm really good at words. Right. Most people aren't. And right. So, and most of the conflicts that we have in our life, most of the conflicts that I have is with people who are not as good at words. Right. 
Well, one of, one of the other things that was said in that thread at one point, somebody who was up on a soapbox and preaching, you know, preaching the gospel said, we should always be concerned about the lost. Never wipe the dust from your feet because it should always be a goal of ours. We should strive to unite unbelievers both to ourselves and, and to, to God. God. Right. That was actually said in the right. midst of this long speech. I read that and I went, that's not true. That is not actually what the Bible teaches at all. Now, yeah. I again recognize what he was trying to do. You I know, also he's trying know to say. there were a couple of other people in the thread who just ignored the fact that he basically said something flat out heretical because he didn't mean to and he doesn't mean that. No, what he what he meant was we draw people to God and then God unites us together as all family. together. Right. That's what he was trying to that's say. That's what he's trying to say. But that's not what he said. No. And it's important for Christians to be able to hold each other accountable for what they said that's wrong unintentionally. It's like, look, I get that that I get that's not what you mean. But instead of blaming me for being divisive, why don't you apologize for being unclear? Like why don't you say, yeah, that was not how God says it in his word for a reason, and I shouldn't say it that way either because it's actually incorrect. It's untruthful. We do not draw people to ourselves ever. We do not have any unity with pagans until they become Christians, but then they're not pagans anymore. You know, it it's well, the concept of drawing, it's its so deeply ingrained and people don't think about it. But that's exactly what the pagans bludgeon, uh, you know, Christians with. It's like, well, I would still be going to church except that you spiritually abuse me and you're a hypocrite and, you, and, and then the Christians fall all over themselves to apologize. I'm so sorry that the church treated you that way. It's like, yeah, this is, this is all theology and it's all bad theology. Right. Well, again, it's not. It's, they do not. I don't think that these particular men have incorrect theology on the matter. They're just sloppy, and that's a problem. It's yeah, wrong. I'm not saying I'm not talking about these guys specifically. I'm right. saying this is where it goes. This yes. is where this is the consequence of this sort of right. This is why God tells us to make our yes be yes and our no be no. And we're people. This is why I said earlier we're people of the word. I think that's coming in on our soundboard, Luke, with your clickety clack. Luke is playing with the cord on his Pikachu headset. Um, but we're we're people of the word, and we're supposed to care about words because God cares about words. We read His word. We also listen to it on audio book. We and you know what? Listening to it on audio books, I want to be very clear <laughs> about this. If you listen to the Bible on audio books. There is nothing There's wrong nothing with that. nothing wrong with I that. I support you 100%. But the words you're listening to or reading do matter. And when you're preaching the gospel, it matters what words you use. And so... Um, and I just want to be clear about one thing. Audiobooks are fine. Right. What What was the... But they're not reading. Ah, never mind. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> words matter. That doesn't. Yeah, if you can't if you can't say something true, don't say anything at all. Remember, I used to say that. Maybe that could be sort of our motto again, like the way well, that's that, what the Bible said. The way well, that Knox is like, "Hey, baptize your kids. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, baptize them." Right. Like ours should just be like, "Hey, if you can't say something true, don't say anything at all." Right. If you can't say something true, just shut up. Yep. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.